Welcome to the John Nuzzo Leadership Podcast. Hey, welcome to this month's podcast. I'm so glad you're taking the time to be with us. I want to talk to you today about something that's so, so deeply embedded in my heart. Actually, it's a mission and a part of the vision and call on my life for over 25 years that's just laid dormant in my heart. We've made a lot of steps toward it, but we're soon to make some significant steps. But it's really not just about that today. That's part of this. But this is really about helping you define where you're at and what season of God's call in your life, and ultimately how God desires to move through every generation at the same time, ideally in the kingdom of God, and what it really takes to see that happen. In Hebrews 11, referring to Abraham in verse 8, it said, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. That's exactly what happens to us when we have a call on our life. So often we we honor, we obey the call on our life, and we don't know where we're going. We just know that we're to take the next step. And so we know what that feels like. It goes on to say in verse 9 that by faith Abraham, he dwelt in the, in the land of promise as in a foreign country. Now this is important, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob dwelt in tents together. So if you were going to title this brief thing I wanted to do with you today, it's this, learning to dwell in tents together. Three generations lived at the same time, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I think we forget that when God was moving in the life of Jacob, that Abraham was still alive. We sometimes think that God moved in a way that that when he stopped with Abraham, that he died. It's, It's not true. I'm sure God was still dealing with Abraham, but we see the emphasis in Scripture moving from Abraham over to Isaac and over to Jacob. Three generations living one time together, hearing from God together, obeying God together, being heirs together of the same promise. And whether you're listening to this and you're 55, 65, or 25, we are all heirs together of the same promise. But here's the key. God placed his emphasis from one generation to the next. And you're going to find that you're in one of these three positions throughout your life in ministry, the Abraham stage, the Isaac stage, or the Jacob stage. And by that, I mean this. If you're at the Abraham stage, you're, you're, you're literally moving away from when God is speaking to your generation and asking you to invest in the next. And the, Isaac, the Isaacs are the ones that are in the sweet spot of their calling. And they're usually somewhere in their mid-30s through their, you know, mid-50s and a little later on. And and then you have the, the, the if you will, the, the Jacobs. And those are the 20-somethings. Let me take just a little bit of time and talk to you about all three of those. And, and let me start with the Abrahams. This past week, I had the great privilege of spending a, a great amount of time pheasant hunting. If you know me, that's, a, that's you would laugh, but with uh, John Maxwell. And I was with uh, six other remarkable leaders uh, learning so much. It was just an incredible time. And Maxwell was talking about those who were at a stage in their life when they wanted their ministry to multiply and, and see it exist in the hands of the next generation. And he used this term. He said, you have to learn to put legs to your legacy. You know, years about a year and a half ago, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart while I was reading in scripture, just devotionally about when Samuel and Eli were in the temple. And 
You know the story, of course. Samuel heard the voice and thought it was Eli. And at the end of that story, God speaks to Samuel. The Holy Spirit spoke to me at that moment, and he really said something deep within my soul. He said, John, I could have easily, easily spoken to Eli. He had more experience. The word of the Lord was rare in that day, but Eli had had experienced God in ways that Samuel had not. He said, but I chose to speak to Eli because it was time for me to speak to another generation. Then he said something very profound to me. He said, John, I will not give you the vision for the next generation, but I'm going to hold you accountable and responsible to help prepare them and resource them to hear my voice. And you see, Abraham had to make a decision. The Abrahams of, 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 of life have to make a choice that are we going to live for always thinking that God is continually going to use us and speak to and through, to and through us, or are we going to be realizing that the greatest thing we may be able to do in our lifetime is not what we've done, but who we've birthed, the ministries, the people we've poured our lives into. In Mark 2.22, Jesus said this, And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskin will be ruined. No, he pours new wine into the new wineskins. God has placed a vision in my heart to help create new wineskins for a new move of God, for a new generation. Part of that is to help revitalize churches that are, that are declining or even failing. By failing, I mean they, they, they've seen their greater days and they feel like, God, we don't feel your, your presence and we don't see you doing the things that we know you so desperately want to do. And there's something that God so deeply just put into my soul to help churches that are in that stage of ministry and to help pastors in that stage of ministry is to, is to truly help them lay this thing down in such a way to create a new wineskin for a new generation. You know, you can't put, you cannot put new wine into an old wineskin. Jesus said you can't. Jesus said you can't put an old piece of cloth to a new piece of cloth. But there's something you can do. You can take old wine and put it in a new wineskin. Do you know I want to help pastors live again? I want to help them to go back 20, sometimes 30 years in their journey when God spoke to them. And, and, and he did something in their heart and in their life. And they didn't know if they were their left hand from their right hand. But God's grace was upon them. And they gave their life and have given their life for something amazing. And yet, I believe God's given us a plan to help pastors create brand new wineskins with their life's work for a new wine of a new generation of church planters. I'm not going to go into the details about it, but... If you're in that place in your life and that's something that you would love to be able to learn more about, I'd love for you to contact us and let us know. The details of how to do that will be at the end of the podcast. But I would love it if you wanted to be a part of that understanding. And we're going to lay those things out and we're going to walk by faith with God through it. But if you're in the Abraham stage of your life, it's time to lay down your preferences, to lay down the things that that you've built your life and, and built in your whole lifetime, and to see it live in another generation at a whole other level. Perhaps you're today in the Isaac stage. And I would tell you the Isaacs of those in their early to mid-30s up through, you know, their mid to late 50s. Those Isaacs, I want you to remember this. 
You're standing upon the shoulders of those before you. And I want to encourage you to do it with honor. I want to encourage those of you that are in that stage of your ministry, when you have both the strength of youth and some wisdom of time, is this, please don't compete with those who've labored before you. Honor them. I I, I don't know how to encourage you with a greater emphasis than to say this. Don't criticize the people that have come before you. You don't know the price that they've paid. You don't know the things that they've sacrificed. And everything that you see and everything that you're enjoying, you do so because of the sacrifices often that they've made. And the things you do today, you actually are standing upon their shoulders. So honor them with your words. Honor them with your kindness. Celebrate the work that they've done. You know, and and I'd like to tell the Isaacs of, that are listening to this Learn to live fearlessly with what you've learned. I'm 58, soon to be 59. And what I know from stepping into this stage of my life, there are so many things that I can help young, younger men and younger women understand. But if I could go back, I would take all the things that I learned from others, all the things God placed in my heart, and I would have jumped into it with fearlessness. Because the older you get, you realize the clock ticks, man. It really does. It's ticking. And, and, and all you'll wish that you have done at the end of your days and as you move into these stages of your life is to have trusted God with everything you have because you realize that this is really a finite time that you get to serve God on this earth. And I want to encourage you that are in the Isaac stage, you know, seek counsel from those who have taken the action of faith that you're going to take before you act. People that have done what you're doing have already, if you will, fallen into the potholes or dug the potholes. If you can miss two or three potholes by the wisdom of another person, it can save you sometimes years of your life. More importantly, it can save you sometimes pain that is totally, totally unavoidable. The statement to be forewarned is to be forearmed is something that you want to embrace in this season of your life. And don't, but this is critical. Please hear my heart. Do not seek vision from those before you. Seek their wisdom in applying the vision God gave you. Now, I'm going to tell you one of the weaknesses of the Abrahams. We're so used to having vision in our heart that it seems we can't help it. When you talk to us, we're going to cast vision. And, and it's not dishonoring to, to listen to that and, 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 and be thankful for it, but not to follow it. But follow the wisdom behind it. Learn from others. See, the generation today, and certainly the one coming, one of the greatest temptations you're going to face is to forsake God's word and to make his word a subjective thing, to walk away from what God would consider absolute truth and make truth something that's subjective. If you do that, a culture literally set a fire of hell will be what sets your vision There's things you're facing in this generation and the one to come that 20 years ago would have been unimaginable. But here's the reality. God's word is truth. Jesus said, my word is truth. Jesus is the word made flesh. Jesus said, I am the truth and the life and the way. No one one comes to the Father but me. The culture is wanting to make truth, an absolute truth, actually a form of bigotry. 
we know there's truth and grace, and there's a balance to that. We understand that. But the temptation to the culture today is the, the God who has made us in his image, that we flip it and we return it, and we try to make God in our own image. And we, we create a God that, that, that is palatable to a culture that is hellbound. Kind of like when Aaron worked on the golden, the, the golden calf at the base of the mountain, and when Moses came down from the presence of God and they were worshiping this golden calf, he said, Aaron, how did this happen? He said, well, it just, it just jumped out of the fire like that. Well, I can tell you that a lot of the beliefs that are trying to be jammed down the, the, the throats of, of leaders today, they're coming out of the fire. They really are. And they're very easy to slip into. But I would encourage every one of you that are Isaacs, learn to stand upon God's word. Learn how to take truth and grace and take the vision God's given you. Because the only thing, the only hope of this world is Jesus. Not the Jesus we make up, but the Jesus that is. And thirdly, I want to talk briefly to the Jacobs. I love that the name Jacob means something negative. It means someone who would supersede another or would try to replace another or to circumvent another, to overreach. And we know that Jacob was known as a deceiver. But God changed his name to Israel, meaning God contended for him. But something I just think is amazing about our God, to this day in Scripture, the way he refers to himself, is not as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, but as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of the person who needs developed. Jacob was a person who overreached. If there's anything that this generation is going to be tempted to do, is overreach prematurely. The times that I just spent with Maxwell were, were incredible. And, and he said something about this Jacob generation, if you will, coming up. And he said this. He said, this is a generation that is overexposed and underdeveloped. And, and it's not that it's good or bad. It, it would be no different if I were in that stage of life. There is so much knowledge available to you today at every stage of your life. But the Bible says knowledge will make you vain. It will puff you up. It will make you full of pride. There's a massive difference between knowledge and wisdom. And I would tell you that I would rather have an ounce of wisdom than 10 pounds of knowledge. But it's ideal to get both. And what Maxwell said, and I'm going to give you some pearls from Maxwell. He said, here's what I would encourage anybody at any stage of life, but particularly those who are in the Jacob stage of life, when they're having to develop through maybe some of their rough spots, dealing with some of the desire to maybe overreach or go maybe more quickly than is well or healthy to do. He said, be certain to be teachable. He said, be certain to seek mentors. I love the statement he made about mentoring. He basically said it's a gift that provides the ability to see your future through the hindsight and experience of another person. A friend of mine, Gerald Brooks, that many of you may listen to, and I would encourage you to listen to Gerald's podcast. He said this, he said, you can learn everything by experience, but the tuition is way too expensive. Maxwell also said this, don't be afraid to downshift to reach your potential. It doesn't have to be better. It just has to be what you need at this season of your life. Maxwell said that there's not one time he left something to go to something else, that it was more lucrative or more advantageous 
naturally speaking, for him. But in order to go to where God called him to be, he had to downshift. The hardest thing to do when God puts something in your heart, particularly when you're in that, that stage of your 20s, is to downshift, is to, is to stay put. This is another statement he made, which I just thought was remarkable. He said many, in fact, he said most people, they move or quit right before they finished their season of Jacob. I'm adding that part. And what it results in is an underdeveloped foundation that they have to bear the rest of their life. There's really only one shot at bearing a foundation and building one. And this is the stage of life when you're so tempted to just want to cover it up and and build something. But there's a, a reality. Premature things require additional and otherwise unnecessary care to survive. A child, a baby born prematurely, if it would just have had more time in the womb, would not have needed the kind of care that it needed. Underdeveloped lungs sometimes take weeks and sometimes years to recover. And all that child really needed was more time in the right environment. And I want to encourage all of the Jacobs that that, that threading the needle of when to go, when to stay, when to move, when not to move, when to learn, when to apply, you won't do it perfectly. No one does anything perfectly. But try not to fail and try not to, to miss it, if you will, on the side of urgency. Have an urgency in your 20s to develop, not to do. That doesn't mean you shouldn't do great things. doesn't mean you shouldn't jump out and do things that God puts in your heart. That's not what I'm saying. But there's a great temptation to go try to build something upon a foundation that won't sustain it. The bad thing about that is that when the foundation cracks, it shows up in the walls of your life. And it may look like a crack in the wall, but it's actually an an insecure foundation. John Maxwell told a story of something that changed his life when he was 22 years old. And I have to tell you, when he told us this, in my lifetime, I, I, I can't think of another time that the presence of God fell in a more significant and manifest way. And we weren't even expecting it. It was a Friday morning, Nine o'clock, we were eating breakfast, about to go shoot some pheasants. And we had a blast doing it. And, and we were just talking. And, and John began to tell a story when he was, I think, 22 or 23. He said he was, and, and if you know anything about John Maxwell, he's such a, he's such a gifted man. And, and, and he's such a, a, an incredible human being. But he was building a great church. And he said, you know, I kind of had my, my mind and my heart kind of kind of into, into what I was building, and, and it was more external, and it was more about my success. But somebody came to visit a family in our church, and, and I was able to spend some time with them, just, just, just he and I. We spent time together, the two of us. And, and, and they didn't know Christ, and I knew it. But I really never thought about sharing my faith with them or leading them to Christ. I was just more concerned about my life and what I was trying to do to, to build something for God. Well, before he said, I, I finished seeing the person, before I got home, they died. And when I got home, my wife told me the person I was just speaking with had passed away. I went to the funeral home with the family, and as I looked at their body, he said, a grief hit me, and I realized, God, you probably sent them here to be able to hear the gospel from me. And I, and I didn't even think about it. It wasn't even on my radar. They asked me to do the funeral, he said, and it was one of the hardest things he ever did. He said, but it changed me. 
And it was interesting when John Maxwell said, he said, people think of me as a person that teaches leadership, but that's not who I am. What I am is an evangelist, and leadership is what I use to be able to, to speak to people about my faith. Just last year alone, through Maxwell, personally in meetings, seen over a quarter of a million people come to Christ, leaders of nations. It's a remarkable thing that God used him to do. And we were just talking, and then one of the pastors that were there stopped, and he said, John, would you pray for us? And the minute he said that, God's presence fell in the room. I'm telling you, it it was incredible. And immediately, all of us, including John, immediately began to weep. And he went around that circle. And thank God, one of the younger guys there had the presence of mind to, to, to record it. And John laid hands on each of us, and he prayed over us for a desire and a heart to win people to Christ. At the end of the day, we are all called to be heirs of the same promise. And it's to win people to, to Christ so that people that are hellbound will be heaven-bound. And so it's my hope that no matter what season you're in, that all of us labor together, all of us dwell together in tents, all of us do our part, that our, we Abrahams lay down our preferences, that we believe in the generation coming, that we don't pick them apart based on our experience, but we believe in them. And for those in the Isaac generation and the Jacob generation, provide honor for those that are older than you. They paid an incredible price to provide the platforms that, that many of you are, are speaking within right now. But at the end of the day, no matter where you find yourself in this spectrum, all of us have been rescued by a Savior. And my prayer is that what was imparted to me that Friday morning when John Maxwell prayed over us and, and laid hands upon us, that today that when I pray, that same presence of God will come upon you. And a desire to win people to Jesus will saturate your heart more than anything on this planet. And that together we can provide Someday the ability to stand before our God and cast our crowns before him and lay a generation of people before him that otherwise would have died without Christ. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for every person listening to this podcast. I pray that you would impart to their heart such a grace, a divine impartation by the presence of your Holy Spirit, helping them to be a person that wins people to Jesus in every area and every arena of their life. And I pray that over them, Father, as you imparted that to me that day, that you would impart it to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast, and I look forward to catching up with you next month. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Your reviews expand our reach. So if you enjoy listening to this podcast, please take time to rate and review us. We look forward to having you with us on the next episode of the John Nuzzo Leadership Podcast.